So I get all the kind of style inspiration is what my granddad would wear. So I only use menswear items that I look at and I'm like, will my granddad wear this? Yes, he will. And then I would buy it. And then I would combine it with his old clothing. He no longer wears, he lost a lot of weight because he had cancer. So a lot of his kind of clothes that are too big for him is the kind of clothes that I work with. And then what I do is I would lay my pieces out on the floor. I would take pictures of them and I would put them onto Photoshop and I would do collages. So I'll put my little granddad figure in the background and then I will collage them together. And the reason why I do this is I'm able to experiment digitally without cutting into garments and I'm making sure there's no waste in that kind of process in doing that way. Welcome to Mindful Businesses, presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Vidya Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today we have with us Jess Grack, founder of The Granddad Company, unisex circular street clothing brand. She joins us from London, UK. Welcome, Jess. Hi. It's so great to have you on my podcast. It's great to be here. Approximately how many pieces of clothing are produced every year, say worldwide or even UK? Just how many pieces of clothing are produced worldwide? I'm not sure on the amount of clothing used, but I know that in terms of what goes into landfill, the percentage is 67% in the first year. The first year the clothes is yeah. made. It's not even, we're not even talking about a few seasons old. I don't like the jacket anymore. I'm going to give it away. It is within the first year. It's more towards the end of the year, obviously. I think it's just these kind of fast fashion brands, especially kind of like the boohoo, the kind of misguided items, which are really cheap to buy. I think if consumers buy into clothing that are that cheap, they don't have any value. So it's thrown away because of that reason. It's kind of worn once. So in a company like Zara, how often do they change their styles? Like every time you go, every two to three months. Zara is one of the most fast paced in kind of turning stock around. Every two weeks, the whole store changes with new stock. So as a consumer, I'm wandering through the malls of either UK or North America or Asia. And I see a new color, a new dress. And I am pulled into the store to buy these clothing, which I absolutely don't need. It creates so much of a society which is completely consumption-based. Exactly. I think if there's new stock every two weeks and it makes you kind of, when you go into the store, if you like something, you kind of got to buy it straight away before it, it disappears forever. So I think that's what kind of sucks consumers in because after two weeks that, that stock's gone from the stores. I know that online lasts a bit longer, but Zara is one of those really popular high street brands that do go out of stock really quickly. Most people then have their closets filled up. They want to give up their clothes either because it doesn't fit 
them anymore or they don't like the articles. These are the people who have kept their clothing for more than a year, right? And where do normally people give away their clothes? In the US, it's the Salvation Army, the Goodwill, and they have these big dumpsters and parking lots where you can donate your clothing. Yeah, a lot of people turn up to local charity shops but the thing is with the truth about uh, charity shops is for secondhand garments that don't sell it's normally shipped to another country and it's used as a kind of a storage like a storage place um, they are receiving so much clothes on a daily basis that they no longer need they've got too much and we are basically using third wealth countries as a dumping grounds for these clothing as kind of be like oh they need this clothing but actually it's just they've got too much and now we're using it as a dumping site basically so that's the thing with charity shops they're getting so many donations a lot of it doesn't sell they're shipping it so a charity shop isn't actually the best way to kind of donate your clothes it's better to give it to companies like me who upcycle it um, and give it a new life and refresh the item or to actually resell it on a platform like Depop for people who actually want to buy the clothing and you know it's going to a home where people are going to cherish the item rather than end up dumping it in another country later on down the line. And the side effect of this is that it's killing the garment industry, the textile industries in these countries where we are dumping our stuff either because we get a tax benefit and sometimes on the streets of Africa, you find downfill jackets, which is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, uh, there is no need to ship your heavy jackets to Africa. You know, the carbon footprint of it going over is another story in itself. Yeah. So with all good intentions, we are actually causing more harm than more good. I don't know if you've heard of this uh, Facebook page. It's called Buy Nothing. It's very popular in America where each neighborhood has a Facebook group on Buy Nothing and you just post your things that you don't need and uh, people who want it take it. And I think that is such a unique and absolutely zero carbon footprint way to upcycle whatever you need besides even clothing. Do you have that in the UK? Not really. I mean that Facebook marketplace has gotten really big where you could post locally. So this chair, for example, that I've got now, I went to go and collect it. I buy everything kind of secondhand and locally. So you could look for in your area, people advertise things um, that they're selling and you could shop for it. So me and my sister does it a lot when she moved into her flat she got all like secondhand furniture that she just picked up so there is these kind of platforms about but I haven't heard of buy nothing which is a really cool name yeah 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 and basically you give it for free oh hmm, that's really cool I wonder if they do it in the UK I'll definitely look into that with the brands like H&M Zara Primark the number of pieces of clothing that we own right now is probably far more than what your granddad had, right? Oh, definitely. My granddad has a whole different kind of mindset when it comes to clothing. He's very precious with his pieces. He's had his pieces for years and years. He protects them. He has um, OCD, so he's very particular with his clothes. No one could touch it. They're 
kept in the most pristine condition and they've like survived over years and years and no one else is allowed to wear it if he lets me wear it he has to come out with me um he's really funny because he doesn't like things getting dirty and he just loves all his clothes like he's had them for years and years he's never been one to buy into this kind of fast fashion in kind of any item within fashion he grew up in a big family of like 10 siblings everything was shared they used to make their own toys and that upbringing has really shaped his the way he shops and the way he treats things throughout his life um he cherishes things for what he has he makes whatever he can make and when he buys he buys for life Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I built my brand to be on and that's how I want my customers to treat my clothing like the process of designing um, making the clothes from start to finish I do it with the highest quality that I could possibly do and to think that if a customer threw away my garment and I saw it in a charity shop would really like upset my feelings like these are all, all the clothing has got so much feeling towards me and that's kind of why I went for a kind of higher price point brand because someone's spending a higher price point and they're going to appreciate your clothing more and they're going to see it a thing that they won't throw away because they invested the money in buying that item and more thought went into purchasing that item too right yeah did your granddad pay a lot for these clothing yeah he did ranges he's got things from like markets which was cheaper um he's invested in more expensive stuff so it's not always about the price point is he just goes for clothing that it just he looks at the quality mm-hmm. and the kind of comfort um he he knows a bit about sewing from his mum sewing a lot of clothing so he knows what to look out for in quality when it comes purchasing items so that's something that is like at the top priority for him if you look at vintage furniture that would tell you the size of the closet or the vintage wardrobe would tell you the number of clothing a family owns yeah we have now at least in the us we have walk-in closets which are the size of a small london apartment and you know it just grows and grows and grows and often it probably takes a whole year to repeat a dress for many many people out there my mom always told me buy something which is more expensive and latest and you will be able to use it for more seasons to come than if you buy it on a discount off the discount rack you'll wear it for two or three times it will be out of fashion and you'll be stuck with that just crowding our closets and um, creating a lot of damage to the environment and our society yeah i think the price point tells you a lot about that item um for example it tells you about the quality also tells you about down the line who was making it and profit so for example there's a lot of styles around items around that uh, cost 5 pounds and if you think of that 5 pound that company is making at least a 10% profit from that item then you've got the fright for it to be shipped you've got the person making it you've got the material and everyone in that chain is making a profit so if everyone's making a profit that item must have cost like 10p to make true so that's obviously you know it's probably not came from a good factory and the quality 
is not going to be made to last. You'll probably put it in the wash. The stitching is going to come undone because the it hasn't been overlocked. It's only been stitched together and it will shrink. The fabric is not good quality. So I think the price point of the item really tells you about kind of the chain and how sustainable that chain is and also the quality and whether that item is going to last. To talk about how you stumbled upon this business idea. I did a degree in fashion design and technology. The technology side was um, learning kind of 3D sewing systems where you could stitch on a virtual model. And that was kind of what I specialized in, in terms of saving kind of your trial garments, basically. So you're not wasting materials. I left university and I worked in industry. And to be honest, I absolutely hated it. I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, this is so unsustainable, so uncreative. And I kind of just was contemplating like what I'm doing. I, I decided to continue working in fashion and Dap tried to go into different areas of the business. And I decided if I want to do a company with my ethics and my morals, the only way to do that is to run my own company. It kind of came about because I offered to do a fashion show in Edinburgh with R Sustainable, which is a company that promotes sustainable designers. Mm -hmm. I developed a collection around my granddad and then after the fashion show was postponed due to COVID, I had all this stock and then I just decided actually like I want to take the leap and develop my own brand. So I've basically worked on everything, the logo, the website, the making, I've literally done everything for this brand since. It's your baby. I think as well, because it's inspired by my granddad, it's got such a, a personal connection attached to it. Um, so it makes it even more like meaningful. Did you spend a lot of time with your granddad? Yeah, I'm probably closer to my granddad than my actual dad. I look up to my granddad more. He's just been a very consistent role model in my life. He's just every decision, all my advice, everything comes from my granddad. He's just such an inspiration for what I think a male figure in my life should be. He's just a really nice moral person who just looks at the world in such a beautiful way. And he's just someone I've always wanted to kind of impress, you know, um, that one person. I think the rest of my family is so much like easily impressed by anything I do. But my granddad's just that, just one step harder <laughs> to kind of impressing him, which has always been um, kind of pushed me in my career because he's a bit harder to impress. So in that way, he's made me progress more in my career and, and me as a person because of his kind of standards. If we come back to your work in the fashion industry, what appalled you the most? The fact that the lack of design, lack of creativity, like both of us, we can see each other now. Yeah. We are both wearing black t-shirts. Yeah. I find it very difficult to find clothing which is creative, which is colorful. And even if I do, I don't want to be the only one wearing a bright pink dress to an event yeah I think in terms of the creativity side in the industry I used to stay after work and do loads of like new designs even look at them they just wanted me to copy exactly 
an image they was given. So I was not even allowed to change the pleats or add a different type of sleeve. It had to be exactly a copy. And for someone who's pushed their creativity their whole life and gone through, you know, a degree that's all about pushing the boundaries and experimentation, it was a very hard pill to kind of digest. In terms of me expressing myself, I would say that the high street hasn't been the easiest way. Also, I don't want to buy something that a million people are going to buy. Like you're walking, someone's wearing the same top as you, you know. I make most of my clothes and I get most of my clothes secondhand. But I think lockdown fashion um, has stayed really core and basic at the moment. It has kind of doled down my fashion um, because I don't see anyone during the day. So talk about how you go about your whole process of creating a piece of clothing. Start from where you get the clothing, your creative inspiration. Does it come from the customer or does it come from within you or a combination? So in terms of my process, I source my vintage clothing from uh, Kilo Sales, eBay sometimes, sometimes um, Depop and my granddad's old clothing in terms of how I go about within where my vintage pieces come from. You mentioned Depop. What is Depop? Depop. Do you not have Depop? Do you have Depop in the US? No, we don't. Oh, Depop is a very popular app that where you resell your clothing on. You give the unwanted clothing in your wardrobe, you take pictures of and you sell them online. A lot of massive vintage companies sell on that marketplace. It's very popular. It's basically like an eBay, but for fashion specifically in the app form. Mm -hmm. So I get all the kind of style inspiration is what my granddad would wear. So I only use menswear items that I look at and I'm like, will my granddad wear this? Yes, he will. And then I would buy it. And then I would combine it with his old clothing. He no longer wears, he lost a lot of weight because he had cancer. So a lot of his kind of clothes that are too big for him is the kind of clothes that I work with. And then what I do is I would lay my pieces out on the floor. I would take pictures of them and I would put them onto Photoshop and I would do collages. So I'll put my my little granddad figure in the background and then I will collage them together and the reason why I do this is I'm able to experiment digitally without cutting into garments and I'm making sure there's no waste in that kind of process in doing that way also because I ensure that I have the perfect combination that I want so sometimes you can have an idea and then you run with it and it's too late to go back. With this way, I get to have different variations and choose the best outcome I want. And then I just basically combine them together in the way that I collaged and that's kind of my process. And where does a customer fit in it? Do you make this and then send a digital image to the customer or do you finish the product and then put it on the web? I um, finish the products and then put it on the web. Um, as a product sells, I'll make a new one to replace it. And it's always got that amount of stock. So that's how I go about it. And so I have a scheme where people can send me unwanted clothes that they have in their wardrobe. And then I will basically upcycle it for them and send it back to them. So they only pay for my time. 
so I've had someone send me a puffer jacket want to have it in for a um so it was a North Face puffer jacket which they wanted to turn it into a bucket hat they sent me the jacket and I sent them back the bucket hat and I only paid for my time I've had like a lot of custom requests where people have like damaged items I've had like uh, last week I received a dog's bed where it was really damaged um so I used upcycled materials to uh, make sure that instead of that dog bed going in the bin it was given a new life and it could stay um in the family longer um so I work in two ways receiving donation like upcycling requests and sending it back to the customer or within my online store the only thing that makes the brand hard to grow is the fact that there's only one design available of each design because they're vintage items i could only ever make it once um i can never find them clothing um again so i have um items that are really popular and they they go out of stock and sometimes I'm able to do a similar design for another customer it will never be completely the same which makes it a limited edition brand which is the unique selling point but it's also a hard model to scale up are you the only person who does the sewing right now yeah so that is another barrier for your growth to till you scale up and I think if the brand was to really grow um what I would do is have a sewing team helps me to put all the pieces together and I'll manage the design and collaging the designs and then people could help me with the unpicking and the sewing but yeah every aspect just takes so much time like for my tags I make the instead of using like string or whatever I actually make them out of scraps so there's no waste and that takes time to do even packaging up the item and going to the post office a lot of it is time consuming but it's definitely worth it you said that your clothing is upcycled how is that different than a sustainable brand so a sustainable brand is using kind of um materials that are sustainably made that could be anything from being organic or using kind of materials kind of genetically made using kind of food waste so like uh banana leaves in mushrooms and the list goes on and they are creating new products and they're creating it more like a a small batch so they could have 50 pieces of one design and upcycling is kind of using the waste so i read a quote in a book and it's it's from the sustainable handbook and it said the most sustainable you could be is using the waste out there by using kind of even you're using sustainable materials yes it's better for the planet but you're still not fixing the problem about the waste we have we have so much waste out there and in my opinion it's the most sustainable you could be the kind of the process is completely different you have to reconstruct before you construct it's more of a costly and timely process it's not scalable there's only one available but a sustainable brand is kind of easier to grow easier to market you're able to have you're able to gift items in order for your brand to grow where i can't gift items because that's my one design gone um so it's harder to grow um so the kind of difference is using the waste 
and instead of creating more waste even though sustainable is more environmentally conscious it could still end up being waste in 10 years and all your clothing your tagline said streetwear what is streetwear basically streetwear is just like a, a kind of a subculture of clothing cool clothing that you wear on the street and that's kind of the easiest way to describe it so that just comes from this like vintage streetwear style so it's more unisex baggy a lot of um known brands within streetwears like carhartt dickies down the skater trend um within it so it's using them known streetwear labels and that streetwear aesthetic um kind of layering baggy styling yes and that's why i call it a streetwear brand was it important that it be unisex why unisex i wanted my kind of clothing to be available to all in the point of it being sustainable that i'm not closing the market for it it is available to anyone who wants it and i just think there's not a lot of unisex brands out there and i think the interesting thing about unisex is like you can never turn female clothes to be unisex but you can turn menswear to be unisex which i found really interesting for example if i was to buy a jeans that would fit a guy and he would put it on he'd be really confused by the way it's fastened <laughs> because everything goes the other way and because of how guys are used to one way they just wouldn't know how to take off that piece of trousers it's really funny because i did a test <laughs> with my boyfriend i was like wear these jeans and tell me and he couldn't figure it out because it was the other way and it was really weird so like girls don't really notice them kind of like fastening details they just you know it's just easy they don't notice about the side so i find that quite a funny story about unisex fashion <laughs> <laughs> so you basically take the male's clothes and make it unisex but all the fasteners are like it was a man because you've noticed that it's easier for the women to adapt to the clothing being fastened the opposite way yeah girls won't notice i mean i wear a mixture of like female men's clothing and i just don't notice but even like a shirt if uh, a guy was to wear a kind of woman's baggy shirt they wouldn't be able to undo the buttons because they're not used to it being that way it's i think girls are just more versatile anyway they just don't get the concept of something changing they're like they just can't do it the other way thankfully we have the right genes to be yeah. able to so where do you see your company in 3 years post covid well i'm hoping to do kind of like a fashion show um after this is going on i know that in the pipeline i'm going to be doing a 3d fashion show that's been developed which is going to be really excited what is a 3d fashion show in terms of the kind of degree i got in terms of stitching on a virtual model the kind of system has moved where you could you have a 3D model wearing your clothes and the model is able to walk up and down like a catwalk and you can see how the clothes kind of 
react to movement. It's really cool. So this is digital? Digital, yeah. So you'll see it kind of like a on a computer screen as a video. Wow, that's pretty cool. I hadn't heard about that at all. Yeah, so it's growing um, in the industry. At the moment, everyone seems to be using 3D software to kind of limit the trial garments, but the software is moving on to be able to walk. You could rotate the mode um, so you can see a bird's eye view, the back side. It's really cool. You putting like your fabric quality in there and it's able to like change to a denim then to a polyester then to a knit it's got like a virtual library it's this really cool system but yeah to answer your question where I see myself in three years I'm hoping to do a fashion show to probably by the end of the third year to have a studio and more employees to help me out my workshop is in granddad built me so it's It's quite a big shed, but it's not ideal for London weather because it's either too hot in there or it's too cold in there. That would be the goal to kind of have some help, um, have a um, place, a studio and a fashion show. On that inspirational note, Jess, thank you so much for coming on Mindful Businesses. Thank you. You're listening to Mindful Businesses with Vidya Ayer. If you're a creator of a mindful brand or would like to recommend a mindful brand to be featured on our show, send an email to info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. Subscribe and listen to us on your favorite podcast listening app. Remember to rate and review us. To learn more about this and our other episodes, check out our website, mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. If you learned a thing or two on this episode, Share it with one friend. This is Vidya Ayer with Mindful Businesses.